Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Hail to the District podcast. I'm Rajan, he's Pat, and after our brief hiatus following the Washington football team's postseason exit a few weeks ago, uh, and given all the recent offseason developments that have literally taken place over the, like, the last day or two, um, we thought this would be the perfect time to kick off the first of a few offseason podcasts that Pat and I had planned. Um, and with that said, as the title implies for this episode, um, we're going to be taking a look at what we determined to be the six biggest positions of positions or areas of need for the Washington football team entering this 2021 offseason. And what we're going to do is we'll do three in this episode, talking about needs in order from number six through number four, and then going through number three through number one in our subsequent recording. So today's episode will be number six through number four in order of need, um, with again, number three through number one being in the one that we're going to do in a few days. But Pat, I've rambled long enough. Uh, curious to get your thoughts on this as we get started, especially since I kicked this outline to you like literally a few hours ago for the first three that we're going to be talking about. Yeah, I'm excited just to talk about uh, – I'm trying to break my Redskins habit. Uh, so if I pause in the middle of these don't sentences half the time, it's just I'm trying to don't, don't even don't – just don't apologize for it. <laughs> uh, I'm excited to talk about the Skins again. It's It's been a couple weeks. There's no football today. Um, which was like just super sad. It was, it was really uh, bad. And not to cast a dark cloud over this, but we're about to go with like seven, eight months without a football game. Yeah, this. Uh, yeah, so I'm excited to, uh, to dive into this. Um, you know, I think I alluded to this in the beginning of the, uh, before we started recording, but uh, for those of you who do listen regularly, if you're a new listener, Rajan does pretty deep analysis on uh, – drafts uh prospects and who their skin should go after and just generally like position by position breakdowns uh on i believe the medium is where you usually post it uh, so he has a lot he's a lot more draft analysis than i do um so i'm excited to dive in a i think i'll learn something but b um you know as we go through these positions like tight end as we go through uh left tackle as we go through um what was the What's the third one we're talking about today? It's left tackle, tight end, and cornerback. Cornerback, yes. Um, I have I, I so in the outline, the sixth most important would be tight end, fifth cornerback, and then fourth left tackle. Yeah. I actually would flip flop that. Uh, I debated the order of those two quite a bit, and I'm going to give you my reason why I put uh, cornerback as less of a priority than left tackle. Although now, as I'm saying it out loud, I might no. I'll tell you why. Where, where my head was ultimately. I actually think tight ends probably higher than both. Um, I'll also say why I had that. I'm not going to, I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah. You could, you could argue any order from four or five to six in terms of those three positions. And I, I really, I, I couldn't fundamentally disagree with you. So we'll start here. Um, the honorable mention, we had a couple episodes, a couple positions of need that I put in. I kicked around for quite a while in terms of whether or not they really should make the list in terms of like key off uh, off season positions of need. Wouldn't be surprised if they make upgrades here. I wouldn't be surprised if they completely go with status quo here. Um, So there's two areas in particular, Uh, as I joked, um, it wouldn't be a Washington football podcast or Redskins podcast or however you phrase it. If I didn't complain about the free safety position, Um, I think that's pretty much just my brand at this point. And I really wanted to kind of put that in there, but as I mentioned, especially after like the Cowboys game on Thanksgiving and stuff like that, Jeremy Reeves is pretty good. And I don't know. Reeves is great. I don't he only need, had one kind of sub subpar game against which the was Eagles. against the Eagles, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. the last the season ender against the Eagles. But 
Because the Eagles are against maybe it's the Bucks, but it's one of those two games. It was towards the end of the year. But he's been. I'm convinced it was the Panthers. Was it the Panthers? Maybe I could. It could be that night. Because he had to pick against the Eagles, and then Brady just picked our entire secondary part. So that's just a wash. Yeah, you could be right. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Um, But point being, so there's a couple things. Jeremy Reeves, uh, and there's a quote that he had. I think it was really right after the season ended or something, where he was like. I'll do anything for Ron Rivera. Like Rivera literally put me in a position where he's like, I don't give a shit where you came from, what your draft pedigree is, what you, like, you know, what your, your positioning is for anything else. Be the best guy on the field and I'm going to play you. And he's like, he gave me that opportunity. I went and I balled out to the best of my ability and Rivera rewarded me for that. And I'm going to go do, I'm going to do anything for that guy. And I'm like, sign me up for that guy who's going to give me everything. And by the way, he's actually really good or he's been producing when he's on the field. So there's that. That means DeShazer Everett would probably be the backup uh, free safety in that position, which Everett is a double-edged sword, great special teamer, pretty good when he's on the field, tends to get injured a lot, but as a backup, I'll live with it. It's this, And then you look over to the strong safety position. I know I'm talking about free safety, but you have Cam Curl, who they can roll over to the free safety, have done so in multiple cases. I don't love it. I like my free safety and my strong safety to be very well-defined, even though that's not how most defenses operate by and large, including, I think, in Washington. And then the X factor in all of this is Landon Collins, right? We forgot about him because he's been gone for you know the vast majority of the season, but we don't know the status of his Achilles recovery to date, but one has to assume he's going to come back at 65, 75% of his regular self, uh, be more of the strong safety position. I was reading something, I think it was Mark Bullock, shout out to Mark Bullock. Uh, he was talking about the fact that like Washington runs a lot of the four, two, five, or like, you know, they use a lot of the money backer, nickel backer. I forgot what the position they exactly call it. There's a, there's a term they use, but it's basically like a rover. Um, and Kaliki Hudson did a lot of that last year. And there's somebody else that's escaping me right now. I'm going to feel stupid once I get reminded. But point being, Collins could probably play in that role quite a bit because he is basically just a glorified linebacker in many cases he's a linebacker yeah um point being i don't put free safety for the first time god knows how long um as like this red flag glaring position of need like i would in basically any other offseason i actually think that the uh the reeves uh so if you go back to when who got hurt that pushes Reeves into the, to the lineup when App, it wasn't, well, it was wasn't benching Apke mostly, right? Like Apke, it, was, it, was, uh, Everett, it was, it was kind of, it, kind of, it kind of was when though, everything kind of started shifting when Collins got hurt. Right. Um, and I actually low key think it's not like the most central part of the year, but I think it gets overlooked a lot in, in like in terms of importance is the whole Eric Reed thing with Rivera. Because kind of as soon as Collins got hurt, everyone's like, oh, the only reason why Reed's not on our team, he's a former Panther. Um, you know, Rivera's talked him up. Uh, but literally, Rivera said, Eric Reed's on this team because of Landon Collins. That is a verbatim quote from Rivera. So when Collins got hurt, everyone's like, oh, they're going to go get Eric Reed. Well, I don't think it can be overlooked enough when Rivera offered him a uh, – practice squad spot now granted with the rules last year practice squad generally means he, he probably would have been on the roster at some point but Rivera was like I want to see what Reeves has done because he's been here he's worked his ass off and he deserves the opportunity so many former coaches just would reach for Reed like Gruden would have gone inside Reed right away the reason I think it's so important is inside that locker room Rivera has talked culture 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 like play your ass off and like it'll good things will happen you just gotta trust us and I think Reeves is an example of that. And 
I like honestly to this day, I think that is such a critical part of our season because to your point, it made Reeves want to play so hard. And he, I mean, he didn't ball out, but he was good. He was very good. It was more than, more than a patchwork. And that's so that's the way, again, as I've said countless times, the way we've approached the position for a decade. Right. And he has been, he was more than viable pro football focus for whatever it's worth. He's one of their highest rated safeties. Had him quite, had him, had him rated quite highly for a long portion of the season. So yeah. Um, I'll roll with that guy. And I liked him again, plays his ass off. He hits, he can cover. Is he Earl Thomas in his prime? No, he's not, but you know, few people are right. So it's like, I, I, I'll live hopefully, with that. Hopefully position. He's not, hopefully he's not crazy like Earl too. Yeah, I was going to say in his prime, that's why I didn't talk about Baltimore version of Earl Thomas and all the, <laughs> all the nonsense associated with that. Um, the second position that I debated a lot, I wanted to put it on, but some things convinced me not to was the left guard position. So, we started the year with Wes Martin. Good Lord, that was a fucking train wreck. Yeah, um, he's, he's getting his ass cut. He is so Still gone. In. So, so, yeah. so gone. Um, Wes Schweitzer, you know, I, I had a love-hate relationship with Wes Schweitzer. I wouldn't even call it love-hate. I had a like-hate or like I'll tolerate him hate pers- uh, relationship with Wes Schweitzer over the course of the season. Um, interestingly, pro football focus ranked him a top 20 guard last year. Yeah, he was good. Um, top 20, both in pass blocking and in overall, a little lower on run blocking, but whatever. Um, so I don't see that as a position of glaring need because one, they're like, all right, if it ain't broke, quote unquote, don't fix it. Two, I think once they cut West Martin, they'll find a swing guard in free agency somewhere. Like those are not terribly difficult to find. And three, they're going to be focusing so much of their efforts on bringing Brack Brandon Scherf on the right side and solidifying that side anyway, that I don't think they're going to be like looking at left guard as like this glaring red light. We have to worry about this position at the moment. Yeah. I mean, I Schweitzer played, I thought he balled out all year. He was good when he came in for the right tackle spot. Uh, And then obviously when Charles went down against the giants and Schweitzer came in, that's all you need to know about Martin. He was he was just gone. Right. Um, uh, Schweitzer was. I thought he held up. He was good. I think the only worry a little bit there is depth. To your to your point, uh, I do think Charles is being slipped on a little here. I know he got hurt, but Rivera spoke so highly of him that I generally trust him. Um, and the only issue is I'm trying to phrase how I want to put this. Uh, it's not not a bad thing. I'm just trying to figure out the words. Charles like could be viewed as a left tackle, which then you really don't have any backup guard uh, depth. But, you know, and I know we'll get into left tackle, but I think yep. if Christian Lucas can hold that down, then, then honestly, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Schweitzer and uh, Sadiq, you know, duke it out for that starting role in Without training camp. going into the left tackle conversation prematurely, I think my best case scenario is that one of the guys on the roster fills in the spot at left tackle and Sadiq Charles turns into our left guard of the future, which I think there is maybe well, Sadiq not- being the guard offsets the fucking money we're about to pay freaking Scherf. So, cause he's on his rookie contract. We need him to be good. Oh, I was saying as a left guard and then Schweitzer either, or like Sadiq as he recovers or something becomes a swing guard and then potentially becomes a long-term guard. But yeah, that's an interesting domino. I didn't even think about it in that perspective, but I'm sure going to get $15 million. A he's going to get paid. He's, he's going to get paid. Guard. <laughs> it may be, maybe more than that. It, 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 I could see it being more. But. I saw uh this is off topic and I'm taking us off topic. I, this, but I saw, uh, forget what I saw it. I want to say it was on Kimes pod. Mm-hmm. He had somebody on the other day that, Jonathan Allen's deal could approach 17 mil a year. 
I mean, that's big time money for a, for a D line. Uh, Pro Football Focus did this. Um, they did a really good job of listing the top hundred free agents. They did predictions. Um, I like Pro Football Focus. Um, I, I take them with an admitted grain of salt, but I like the work that they do. I'm always pro analytics when it comes to bringing it to football. I think there's too many people who are anti analytics just because they're a bunch of Neanderthals. Um, are they perfect? No, but I think they do generally, by and large, a good job versus not doing a good job. Anyway, they did this list of like the top 100 free agents entering 2021, and they did their predictions and the contract value of everyone. And exactly as you said, they talked about Sheriff. They predicted, although they did this with a lot of free agents, predicting 16 million. It was 15 million a year, and they predicted Washington would re-sign him. Um, But they did that with a lot of teams. They're like, oh, this guy's a free agent. He's going to re-sign with this team, which probably is going to happen if you do the numbers. But uh, it was just interesting to see that that sure there is no way Sheriff does not re-sign this. You're going to go that far. I think, my, it's, I think it's 80, a, 20 at worst that like or 20% at most that he leaves. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not sweating that he leaves particularly. No, he's not, he's not fucking going. Barring I, also do, I also don't believe him when he says he wants to finish his career here. I think that's just player talk, but I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't know. I feel like offensive linemen tend to have, I don't know, this is stereotyping or whatever, but tend to have a little bit of them where that loyalty sentiment or whatever, like, yeah. Trent, like, you, know, you know who's no longer loyal to anybody? Yeah, I know. Good old Trent. 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 We'll, get, <laughs> we'll get there as well. Um, yeah, so left guard wasn't um, on, big on my priority list or as high. I couldn't really make a good um, a good case for him. But whereas things start to get really interesting, you talked about it earlier, so we'll start to get into the real top six needs. Um, we're going to start with tight end. So the reason why I put this at six of the six leads, uh, the six needs, so meaning the worst was um, – Look, we, we've, we've talked on both sides of the coin ad, ad nauseum about Logan Thomas, right? But just take a step back and look at the statistics of the Thomas. 72 catches last year, third in the NFL among tight ends. 670 receiving yards last year, seventh in the NFL among tight ends. Uh, six touchdown receptions, if I'm not mistaken, ninth among all tight ends in the league, right? Now, I know last year was a bad year for tight ends. But it's really hard to kind of to. And granted, we also had a shit supporting cast, which we'll talk about in our subsequent episode in terms of pass catchers. But it's hard to disagree with that level of production. Now, the other edge of that, or the other side of that, I should say, should be that Pro Football Focus again, for whatever it's worth, ranked him 35th among all tight ends. So there's um, you know, there's a little bit of disparity in terms of what really? the stats say. Yeah, 35th. I was actually kind of surprised it was that far low. Dude, that dude hit a huge blunt before he did those freaking rankings. I don't know what he's looking at. Um, yeah, but anyway, so I think my perspective is this, is that in an ideal world, Logan Thomas would be at your TE2, your tight, your second tight end. But I don't think that's the world we live in because number one, the production he had two, he was such an integral role in our offense last year that asking him to take a backseat would be a little bit of a slap in the face. And then three, he has every reason to actually improve on his performance from last year because he's a free agent next year after, after, or excuse me, after this upcoming season, right? Dude's going to want to cash in as well and, you know, probably secure his one last big contract before the, his career kind of comes to a close or starts to, to wind down. So there's plenty of reason to think that he's going to do as well, barring the lack of targets and stuff like that, if we address the other positions of need at pass catcher, right? So yeah, that's why I said that we have. I'm, I'm so stuck on this 35th in the league thing you just said. That it's a just low end TE1. I'm going to confirm that I'm not losing my mind or I didn't misread it going to uh, go into pro football focus in the background. But yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, that's why I was like, 
we have, at least statistically speaking, a top 10 tight end in the NFL. And that's why it was really hard for me to be like, yo, you know, this is a higher need. But I will caveat it with this, right? So I went back and I did some more stat, stat analysis. TE2 on every, if you go back and look at every NFL team and look at the average of their second tight end and statistical performance of that, and you take the average TE2 on an average NFL team, and it averaged out to about 20 to 25 catches around 200 yards and like two to three touchdowns, right? So let's just say for the sake of argument, 23 catches, 220. Can I guess how many we had? Do you want to take a stab? Because it's hilarious. So I'm going to do the full team, not just our TN2. Like any, our, like our TN2? I know. I, I understand that. Oh, you're talking I'm about gonna, every other tight end? I'm going to say all of our tight ends combined into one tight end two, probably combined had less than 15 catches total. You want to know the number? I bet you I bet you our tight end two, Sprinkle, I, Sprinkle probably had three catches. I think, uh, what was that Shakespeare's dude's name? Hemingway. Hemingway. Hemingworth. <laughs> what was that guy's name? He Merrick Hemingway. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say we had nine back backup tight end catches total nine. That's my guess. Two, 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 oh my god. two catches That's between Hemingway, Tamaric Hemingway. Is, um, if I'm let's let's go back and look at the numbers uh, just to make sure that I'm not losing my mind. Um, uh, Tamaric, sorry, three if you count Marcus Baugh as well. Three catches for a total of eighteen yards. Jesus Christ. Just for 18 yards at TE2. It makes me feel a lot better when we were talking about Heineke after the uh, uh, Tampa game. I was like, he Sprinkle even caught a ball. (laughs) Yeah. Three catches for 18 yards among every tight end not named Logan Thomas. So again, the average catches for 250 yards or whatever and two touchdowns, three catches. That's impressive. It's it's actually impressive, right? It's like, I'm not even mad at you. That's impressive. Um, So TE2 becomes a thing. So then kind of moving there. Um, and I made a note about this and I was like, you know, if you get a, a person who's your designated second tight end in this offense, um, one thing for the roller coaster ride that was Scott Turner last year, he's proven that like he can build a game plan that gets almost all of his toys, some level of play during the course of a game or like get, at least builds in a play or two for them where he figures out a way to get one of them open. Like whether it's a rocket screen or whether it's like, you know, just his usual, everybody goes one way and leaks somebody out the other. Like he's figured out ways where he can kind of spotlight different players in different capacities. And I feel like if we had a second tight end, it's just another club in the, in the bag for him, if you will, to leverage, um, especially if that guy's any good, which then. I bet you, I bet you Logan is. Thomas had more rushes than three. Uh, he did, if I'm not mistaken. I think he had something like three attempts. Let's go back and make sure. Uh, Logan Thomas is credited with three rushing attempts for five yards. <laughs> so ridiculous. The, uh, the tight end position is higher for me because of the, the lack of depth. Um, I think Sprinkle's contract is up. Uh, I don't imagine Hemingway's back. Ball's probably not back. I think we're just going to have a new, totally new clean slate with tight ends. Um, now, some of the bigger names in free agency, I don't think we'd go after. So, like the Hunter Henrys, the uh, was it the Smith guy from Tennessee? Um, He's going to get paid. Yeah, I know. I, I don't think we're going to throw a bag at a tight end. Uh, I don't think I. Well, I don't know. I'm not in the wall of Ashburn, but I, if I had to bet on it, I would say we wouldn't. Uh, so I think you. I think what ends up happening is you have you have flyers. So Thaddeus Moss is still technically on our team because he's been yeah, on IR all year. Yeah. Um, so you have some flyers like that. 
I think, you know, Moss isn't going to be anything special. I mean, Kime has not been very kind to him uh, on social media, so who knows what we have there. But, you know, he'll be a camp body, maybe he pops. Uh, the guy I'm most intrigued by is actually in the draft. Um, and it's Hunter uh, – what's his name? Hunter Long? Is that his name? You're talking about the Boston College uh, guy? Yeah. The, yeah. I, I watched him play against UVA, um, and I subsequently started paying kind of close pay, uh, paying more close attention to him. Uh, and he was pretty good. He had American catches his senior year. He's an All-American. He also uh, balled. He also balled out at the Senior Bowl. Um, and which you know his draft stock is going up, but like he's still behind Pitts and uh, Pitts and Fryermuth are like uh, I have. The, yeah, the, the Penn State kids. Fryermuth, the Penn State kid. Yeah, he he's he's Kyle. Like Pitts Long's not going. Could be Long a could be a third round pick. pick. Yeah. So it's funny you mentioned him. I actually looked at the other way. So the guy from Miami, Brevin Jordan, he, if the draft were today, which it's not, unfortunately. They, they produced some great tight ends. If the draft were today, he was going to be like a second, like a second or third round or something like that. It's not going to be like that when he comes draft day. He's going to go top 50. And I wish that were not the case, but you're talking about freak show athlete, which is so dominant at the tight end position today. And like, that's kind of what you need. Um, if Washington were somehow able to steal him in like the third round with the first of their two third round picks, which I forgot about, but we have a second extra one because of Trent, the Trent deal. Um, that would be amazing. And like, that would be just like, because he's raw, but ridiculous athlete and then potentially someone you look at as your te1 if logan thomas decides that he wants to cash out elsewhere and he doesn't sign for like a reasonable deal over here um i don't the first two as you mentioned kyle pitts kyle pitts could be a top 10 i would not as crazy as this sounds if somehow kyle pitts went in the top seven picks of the draft i would not be overly surprised like i literally yeah. wouldn't be kyle he's, pitts, he's he's his problem is he's if he's a wide receiver I bet he actually does go top seven, but because he's viewed as a tight end, I think he'll end up dropping a little. But some teams, gonna, like imagine if like San Francisco got it. Yeah, like Kyle would have a field day with that. There's guy. mocks that are like even with George Kittle that they're putting him there, and I'm like, that's that's a that's insane. Yeah. I don't yeah, think he gets I mean, past. Um, I'm doing a mock draft because I hate myself. Um, and uh, I'm not I'm not doing any mock drafts. And uh, I have like I don't have him getting out of the top fifteen picks. So. We're not gonna have any. We're not gonna have any picks. So don't even do it. You ain't lying. Um, we're, we're trading a decade's worth of first-round picks for Deshaun Watson. I, I would not be surprised if that's the price, given what Jared, what Jared Goff and, and Matt Stafford just cost each other, or what Matt Stafford just cost. What a fucking deal. Um, Dude, first off, so I don't know that deal. That, that deal is bullshit, and I'm going to tell you why. The Lions officially put their stamp on the worst franchise in football. They just did Sean McVay a solid by taking that contract. Like, why would you do that? You're an NFL team. This isn't the NBA. There's no salary dumps. I've rode the contract. I mean, I've rode the contract. rode the roller coaster of Jared Goff. Jared Goff's not a good football player, man. Jared Goff's not a good football player. And now, and now, freaking, like, everyone, like, my initial reaction was, holy shit, they got two first for him. But the first is because they took Goff's contract. But now the Lions are stuck with that contract. Two more years at least. Two more years. He sucks. They're not going to be any good. Their their coach is going to be ripping kneecaps off. Meanwhile, Stafford's going to be out west. 
dude, Stafford's going to ball out in McVay's offense. Man. He's going to be he's going to be great. You know, if anybody has has fantasy football stock in Robert Woods, like you you just Robert Woods is now GameStop, a uh, GameStop. Like his stock is now GameStop and uh and uh, what was the other one that it, AMC, right? AMC. Like that, that that's what his stock is going to be. Just going to heads up right there, man. That that guy is going to ball out. It's going to be stupid. Yeah. Stafford Stafford's going to have a field day in that offense. They have a running game. McVay's creative. I mean, that guy's about to throw five thousand yards. Yeah. The only the only way I can see it not working is if McVay falls so much in love with the passing game, he just totally abandons the running game and teams. Which I can see. Yeah, and teams are just become they force them to become one dimensional and that's that. Although Cam Akers is really good, I don't see that happening. Like at the one at the end of the day, like Sean McVay I know, rode, I, I, rode Todd Gurley quite think a bit. Ha- I don't. Yeah. I don't think it'll happen. I'm just like. On paper, that is such a win for me to the Rams. They got out of that contract. They got a better quarterback. And they now have Stafford, Ramsey, uh, Darnold. So we'll, we're, let's go ahead and, and continue down this, this, uh, this left turn. Josina yeah, Anderson came either. out and talked about the fact that Washington had the our, – Our offer was better. Yeah, what do you think that offer was? Because I have, I have my theory. So it – the, from what I understand, according to the athletic and her, it was better for now. For now. So that leads me to believe. Not in net totality. Our, yeah, not in net totality, but, which I think is a very key element to what people are saying. Because like people are blown like, oh my God, what were we offer? It's like, no, no. They said for literally right this now. instant, which makes me believe we had both our thirds in there and our first. So that's three picks in this draft alone um, is where I think we probably were. And then – because they gave up two first a third in golf. But I think the extra first was the sweetener to take the golf deal. So my theory well, is I, that I, I think they were like take golf and they're like, no, we're not doing that. And they said, okay, we'll, we'll throw an extra the, first in just to get them off our hands. I think the deal was, um, it makes sense how you're phrasing it. I think the deal was 19 and 72. 72 is the first of, th- of the third round picks. Although I wouldn't be surprised if it was both third round picks, which I still think I would do. Um, I would do it. Uh, yeah. But I, I thought it was at least one in three for sure. For Stafford? For, yeah. He's che- Stafford's cheaper on paper than Smith. We could have just cut Smith, which we were going to do anyway, because he's fucking just retired, dude. Stop saying you're getting stronger. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think it was the first in both our thirds. And then um, my guess is McVeigh was like, take off our, off our hands, please, God. And they were like, well, give us an extra first and we'll do it or something like that. Somebody, I wish I could give credit to this, but somebody articulated this really well. I think what happened was, um, I think it was, I can't remember who it was, so I don't want to mis- misquote, but somebody was basically like, they got a bunch, That I think the sequence of events was that uh, Detroit got San Francisco's offer because that was done. Everybody in Senior Bowl and Mobile was like, it's Detroit to San Francisco, I mean, uh, Stafford to San Francisco, it's done. It's just a matter of time. It's going to happen. And I think what happened was that was like 85, 90% down the road. And then Washington came in was like, boom. Oh, first and two threes and Detroit's like, all right, you're the leader in the clubhouse now. And they were like going once, going twice. Anybody want to throw in a bid? And then LA came in. They're like Bukake. And yeah. that's where Kyle Brandt, Kyle Brandt from good morning football actually tweeted out the morning of the trade. Why is no one talking about the Rams? Like they're the organization that doesn't give a fuck about picks and McVay is known to go for it. And then literally 14 hours later, the trade was done. There was a few, there's a few like, ass hat like you know hack journalists who are talking about the rams being the dark horse in this and there were a few legit people like kyle brent to your point that were talking about this um 
I just didn't think the Rams had the, the nobody thought they had the assets to pull this pull assets to do it. They, they won't have a first round pick for seven years. And on top of that, I didn't think anybody would be like, Oh yes, let me take back Jared Goff. Like that, that, that train is sailed. Jared Goff's not a good quarterback. Oh, you want to trade us a more expensive shitty quarterback? Hell yeah. <laughs> Who literally is only success was came as a result of McVay's creativity. That's the only reason Goff has been good. Yep. That guy, if you watch Goff very closely, if his first read is not open, he panics. Just panics. He doesn't know what to do. I mean, McVeigh was opening up a training camp QB battle with Wofford. I wouldn't have been surprised. There were people who were joking. They're like, is Wofford? I don't, I don't think it was a joke. I think like McVeigh was like, this is happening. Yeah. And then he was traded. I mean, if you watch the uh, – uh, press conference with their GM like three days ago, and they're yeah. like, "So what's Goffard's or Goff's deal?" And he's like, "He's a Ram quarterback today." Yeah, Jared Goff is a member of the Rams today. Yeah, I was like, "Damn, he's he's so gone." Yeah, they're they're shopping him as much as one can shop anyone. Yeah. Um, All right, so tight ends. Tight end. <laughs> Going segueing from the Rams, the last point I'll put on this: if he comes cheap, uh, Gerald Everett, who's a who was kind of like that segue TE one sometimes TE two behind Tyler Higby over there. He's really good too. And if you can get him cheap at like a three or four per year, which is possible given teams may not have a lot of money and the salary caps going down. That's a really good TE two pick behind uh, Logan Thomas. He's a big guy. So he can kind of block a little bit. He's fine with that general type of volume that we we're talking about. And I think he'd be a really interesting weapon, small school guy, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but that's another how much guy. Money you think, how much money do you think Jared Cook will get? I've never liked Jared Cook. I've never thought – I just think he's kind of an overrated sack of crap. So he's probably going to get like the five to seven range, which is basically what he's been for the majority of his career. Yeah, I don't – I think he's terribly overrated, terribly overrated. Um, I've never I've never found anything appealing about him. So I'm kind of a biased source, but I don't think he's going to get anything. Or I don't think to, – To be fair, I thought Logan Thomas was a piece of shit. It turns out he was great. I don't think Thomas was, I mean, Virginia Tech bias aside, like I didn't think he was a piece of crap. I just think it was like, a, it was an experiment, right? And it was an experiment oh, that worked. Clearly. I was like, why are we, why? I, was, I, was I thought it was punk. dumpster diving, right? Yeah, we, we, we dumpster, dumpster dived. dived a few times and hit. And then we let the guy who made the decision leave. <laughs> okay, so we're going to go to position number five, um, which we talked about, and his cornerback. So um, I think I put this at five for a couple of reasons. Number one, if you look at the top of the depth chart, there's still Kendall Fuller. And Kendall Fuller had um, a lot more ups and downs last year. He was a very, very solid corner. Uh, you know, Worth every penny. Uh, uh, worth every penny that we paid him. Borderline. Borderline Pro Bowl caliber player. Again, pro football focus was not kind to him for whatever it's worth. Um, but he was very good. Darby, in fact, if we're going to talk about pro football focus, Ronald Darby was the higher rated corner of the two. Um, and was Did Darby lead the league in pass breakups? I don't know. I'll look that up. But he uh, – I wouldn't be surprised if he did. It was very he solid. Was the ball. You have Moreau at number three, Jimmy Moreland at number four, and Danny Johnson at number five, as things are today. Uh, the operative part of all of this, as we've talked about and alluded to in many cases, Darby and Moreau are free agents. More so we talked about Darby, less than Moreau, right? Um, I think it wouldn't be a surprise if Moreau's gone. Uh, you know, he, he, he was fifth in the league in pass breakups. Moreau wasn't a member of this team's draft class. Uh, I don't, I can't think of more than the five times you heard his name through the entire 2020 season. Like literally, I don't think you heard his name more than a half dozen times. Uh, and I don't think the, this team is going to be as seriously committed to re-signing him. And I he think got someone, I, I, it, I don't remember that as distinctly, but I'm I mean, not so, saying it wrong. So 
So I was, so I had high hopes for Moreau. He was kind of my, he was my defensive Martin. Um, so on the offensive side of the ball, I thought Wes Martin was going to take a huge step forward and be our guard forever. Uh, and then pull oh boy, missed on that one. Uh, Moreau is kind of that similar vein in the offense because we moved him to the outside at the end of 2019 and he kind of, Played pretty well. In fact, I think he had like three consecutive games with a pick. And then he had a pick in the opening game because, remember, Fuller didn't play in our first two games. Yep. Uh, and Moreau started in his place. Did Moreau have one of them against Carson Wentz? And then Moreau had our first pick of the year. Was uh, it? To end the, ha- to end the half um, that set up the touchdown to Thomas to make it 17-7. The fact that I can remember that and, like, not with dates during the week is stupid. Mm-hmm. Um. um and then his snaps kind of came down in week two. And then once Fuller came back, I mean, did we hear his name until probably the Eagles game? Dude, the last game Kaiser Soze, he was gone. Yeah. I mean, I, for, I forgot all – I mean, granted, a lot of that has to do with injury luck because Darby and Fuller played well, except for the first two games. They started 30 out of 32 possible games between the two of them. Did Fuller play through the, all 14 afterwards? I feel like he missed, but I could I be wrong. I could be, I could well, be confused. Regardless, like, yeah. we had really good corner health. Yes. Um, and then you also had the emergence of Moreland. Now, Moreland got just raked over the coals against Tampa. Uh, but he was, for the most part, and I, and, I mean, you like him. I love him. I, I mean, I like beg teams to throw quick wide receiver screens just so I could see him blow it up. Moreland um, is great in the open field. One of the most yeah. fun corners to watch in terms of like blowing up rocket screens. Exactly. Yeah, to what sticks you his head said. in there. He, yeah. yeah, he's great. So what ha- I think what happened is, in terms of like straight up competition, Moreau just got passed by. I think so. Um, and to your point, he was drafted by Allen and Gruden. It's actually drafted uh, by uh, McLuhan. He's a Scotty pick. Yeah, pretty sure he's a Scotty wow. pick. I forgot McLuhan was still even. I forgot he existed. Yeah. Um, uh. Well, exactly. So now, now that makes him two regimes ago. Uh, so he's gone. Um, the The real question with cornerback is, do we re-sign Darby? That's the proverbial $64,000 is going to be a lot more than I that think question. we do. And you said he's going to get $10 million. I bet you it's closer to eight. The, so going to the, he, the rough estimates I'm reading is like nine to ten. Yep. I forgot about that. He's a DC native. Uh, he clearly loves Ron. He's on paper saying, like, I love this team. He was the one that was getting hyped in the locker room after we beat the Eagles. His videos were hilarious. I think he's back. I do think he resigns um, because I think we're going to have a lot of money because we're going to cut Smith and then we're going to get rid of Martin and all of a sudden we're going to have like $50 million to play with. So I think we resign him personally. Especially if we don't get a quarterback. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that could complicate things. I'm going to say as of today, January 31st, we will resign Darby. The conventional thinking years, around the three league, years, twenty-seven million dollars. I would take that deal very, very quickly. I would happily take that deal, even if it's three years, thirty-three. I'm, I'm still quite fine with that deal, given the rate that free agency costs these these days. With the major caveat again that the cap is going to go down because of COVID-related circumstances. But I think the cap's going to be one ninety, which is what it was last year. Was it? If it stays even status quo, which, I'm fine with that. By the way, I have no. There's no. Anyone listening? I'm not. I'm not a source. I'm just. This is my gut. Right. Yeah. <laughs> We're just two dudes on our couch talking about it. Um, yeah. Um, I that with a baseball name. <laughs> there's a couple of guys. So, so one. And the, the interesting thing, so as I mentioned in the big ass list that I sent, is there's two parts. There's a bunch yeah. of free agents. A 
bunch of free agents that are available. I mean, some big names too, like big, big names. And there's go get a, Richard Sherman. Yeah, go get Richard Sherman. That's going to work. Um, or there's a bunch of dudes in the draft, especially in like the top 50, 55 prospects. Um, but you also have to consider that every team needs cornerback depth. Like literally all 32 teams need cornerback depth. So it's not like, oh, we can just go shop among this like endless buffet of players. Like, no, there's going to be a bunch of teams competing for it. Not to mention guys it's trying to- It's also the hardest position in the NFL, I think. It, it, it's hard. I mean, I was- I was So it's so hard to find good players. It is, yes. Yeah. Um, I, I, I even would- I mean, there's more that goes into being a quarterback, which makes it ultimately the harder position. But like on game day, on the field- I think cornerback, I could get roasted for this, I don't know, but I think it's the hardest position of football. It's a passing league, and you have to lock down these guys when you don't know what they're doing. And you have freaks these guys are, athletes on the other side. these guys are freaks. <laughs> Imagine trying to like go one-on-one with Julio Jones, DK Metcalf, DeAndre Hopkins, yeah, no like way. these like literal superhero-type players, right? And then um, imagine, imagine trying to imagine being in a slot. You're the inside guy. All of a sudden, Tyreek Hill's across. I was going to say, like trying to run with Tyreek Hill. Yeah, get real. Yeah, I mean that guy is literally a cheetah, right? Like it's 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 insane. Yeah, a cheat code. You know um, his little his little out uh, three yard out last week, and they turned into a seventy yard catch. Was nuts. He's just a freak. Um, I know that term. He's a terrible before. person, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, couple of guys. So if we don't, um, well, let's just say we resign Darby, and then we're still looking at maybe some depth, like to replace Moreau. Um, so let's call out a couple of the big names, like super big names that are in free agency who are not going to get. Uh, Patrick Peterson is going to be a free agent. There's legit talk that Arizona may not bring him back. I think ultimately in the day they do because Peterson means so much to that franchise just from a um, branding standpoint, if you will. They can't, they can't lose him and Fitzgerald the same year. Yeah. Um, uh, Richard Sherman is gone. I think he'll stay just because Comfort, he's a West Coast guy. I think he's, you know, he's from Compton, but he – played in Stanford and stuff like that. So like he's, you know, familiar with that area and familiar with the NFC West or the North Northwestern part of the United States. So kind of staying local to that. PNW. Uh, There you go. PNW. Um, Quentin Dunbar, our good friend, Quentin Dunbar is a free agent right now. I don't think he's coming back. Uh, Our good friend, him and Ron are not boys. Bashad Breland is a free agent. Uh, wonder if I would, City, I would welcome I would welcome Breland back. I'm pretty sure if Kansas City wins the Super Bowl, which I'm really hoping they do, uh, that Bashad's going to be like, you know what, let's just re-up this and go for the hat trick. Because um, why the fuck not if you have Patrick Mahomes? A couple other big names. Uh, Xavier Rhodes in Indianapolis. I think they'll re-sign him. He played really well for them last year. That was a one-year prove-it deal. He did prove it. Uh, Shaq Griffin, kind of an up-and-down year in Seattle. Um, there's some thought that he may not be back. I think ultimately he will be. One guy under the radar who I've uh, always liked since he left Iowa, um, University of Iowa, I should say, uh, Desmond King. He's bounced around a few teams, played for the Chargers, played for somebody else, played for the Titans last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, crafty corner. He's kind of had a weird journey in the NFL, but I've always been a big fan of his. He was a pro bowler at one point in his career, if I'm not mistaken. But um, I, I think he's going to come, like, for some reason, he's going to come cheap. And if you can get him in that 5-6 range, I think that's a great addition uh, to the locker room. And he would be, or excuse me, to the cornerback room. But, yeah, so that's one guy I would kind of watch out for. A couple other young guys. Mackenzie Alexander played for Clemson a few years ago, or came out of Clemson. Was drafted by the Vikings, got buried there. Played pretty well for Cincinnati last year. He's somebody who could come cheaply, would take a good swing at that. And um, if you want a reclamation project, William Jackson from Cincinnati as well. Super duper talented corner. 
top 20 pick, top 23 pick a few years ago. Never panned out over there, but like tons of talent, just couldn't get his shit together. In terms of, I, I'm a big fan of dumpster diving in, in those types of cases. And uh, if you can get him on the cheap, which probably can't, but if you can't, if you can get him on the cheap, that'd be another, another player I would kind of kick the tires on. Somebody also asked me, um, I think it was my ongoing, ongoing slack thread with my friends about going cornerback at 19. So here's my thing with cornerback jumping to the draft, right? So you got the two dudes, um, Patrick Sertan from Alabama and then Caleb Farley. The, Farley's there? No from Virginia Tech, no. They're not, they're, those guys are going to be gone in the top 13 picks at worst, right? At, like at the lowest, like where they're not coming there. And then I think the second tier is probably – we're a little too high if we stay at 19 to be looking at that second tier or third tier of cornerback. So I feel like you're reaching for a dude that would probably be there 25 to 30. And um, I'm not really impressed by anybody in terms of that range. It's early in the draft process. So I don't think with that premium of an asset to build this team around that you use that on a cornerback. I feel like that's a position, even let's just say Darby left, you can patch that up in other ways, given the depth of free agency that we mentioned, um, and particularly that route. And some of the yeah, guys no, we have in turn. No chance, no chance in the world of a drafting quarterback at 19. One more no chance, but low, 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 low chance. First of all, we're not going to have the 19th overall pick. I'm Houston's not disagreeing with you. Uh, uh, no, I, I, so I, I think we're going to resign Darby. And we've had so much – I hate I hate thinking this way because it could really backfire. We've had a lot of success with back end of the draft secondary guys recently that I'm okay with like taking two in the seventh, for instance, and just having them duke it out. Uh, like Curl was a seventh rounder, uh, Moreau, like I think. Our, Moreau our was three. Seven round picks. Moreau was a three. Not Moreau. Uh, Moreau. Strowman? Moreau was a seven. Was he seven? I thought he was like five or some. Anyway, whatever. I am. Uh, I'll put my money where my mouth is. I'm like positive he was a seven round pick. Uh, you had. I mean, you obviously you're going to strike out a lot of corners at that, at that stage, but I just like to your point, none of the none of the elite talent. I don't think we um, we're not in that range. Yeah, I just don't. I don't think anyone's going to be there. I also don't want to pay for someone like uh, Xavier Rhodes or uh, you know. I think Sherman. I think you're right. I think he'll stay. Uh, I would be intrigued by Breland um, because I think yeah. when Breland's bought in, he's great, but he's a loose. I mean, he's a loose. He's kind guy. of a knucklehead. Yeah. Uh, you're right about Moreland, seventh-round pick. Yeah. I, so we've hit in our last two seventh-round picks, which obviously you can't bank on that every year. But, like, both are in secondary. Moreau was a third-round pick, and I remember that pick because now that you mentioned he's a Scotty pick. So Scotty set the board, but he wasn't the GM for the, the draft. And was then when that we drafted draft? him, that Yeah, when we drafted right. him, the reason I remember this is because his wife tweeted out, First round talent Moreau in the third, one or who set the draft board or something, something stupid like that. Um, I think I think you can you can find value in the mid rounds, uh, even though I did just say it's like arguably the hardest position in football. Uh, at the corner position, and I say that because I'm comfortable knowing that the top of the depth chart is preset. Yeah, assuming so guys back especially right because now you're looking yeah. at nickel, which I feel like although a um, Fuller can moonlight in the nickel if necessary. And then you have looking outside corner, but you could probably find there like, there's some decent value at nickel cornerbacks who are going to be available um, 
via free agency, especially, and like at a really at a reasonable place, at a reasonable price rather. And I think one of the interesting things is because I know I just said the fact that like every team is going to be looking at cornerback and every team is going to investigate the position because it's a passing league. But the yeah, fact that there are so many that could theoretically devalue it a little bit right? Like you could get guys, it's not going to be the bidding war, like kind of like what wide receiver is going to be when we talk about that, obviously in our next episode, because it's going to be a top three need. But like that is you have three to five guys and everyone is just going to be like, take all my money to come over here, right? Kind of like, although Amari Cooper was just a bidding, bidding war with two teams, us and Dallas. But like a lot of those, it's going to be a lot of that in um, at the wide receiver position, which we'll, you know, talk about in the next episode. That is still one of the weirdest free agent bidding wars I think I've Never. witnessed when everyone knew he didn't want to leave Dallas. It's almost like yeah, – he just used us, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and part of me wants to believe that Ron just drove up the price on Dallas, but he clearly wanted them. I mean, we threw, what, $20 million at him? They were really distraught that he didn't sign. And I, I think it was a huge – as I've said many times, there's a huge segment of Washington fans who were like literally like – gut punch when they didn't i'm like this is great i i did not want to sign cooper for that much money now i'm more comfortable anyway, i remember being awesome. i remember being psyched when the report came out we were pursuing him i was like hell yeah let's go get him and then i saw the 20 million dollars and i was like not no at that price fucking way not at that price man now i know again we've talked about this but not to put the cart too far ahead of the horse that like whoever we, if we were to secure one of the big receivers and i've said this multiple times and i'll say it again in prelude to the next episode, I think they are going to once again go ham on the wide receiver position in free agency. I absolutely think they're going to go fire up Redskins one, load up the Brinks truck, park it in front of some dude's house at the wide receiver position. You know, good old 2000, let's sign Mark Carrier and Bruce Smith and Dion and all that, hearkening back to the old days. You know, they're going to do that with the wide receiver position. I firmly believe that. And, I, and this is the one time I'm actually going to agree with it. Until we're no, paying I mean, a wide receiver $30 million a year in, like, in the third year of a salary deal, right? Um, yeah, I mean, you, you know my thoughts. I'm, I've been on the wide receiver fucking table for, since week one. And there's a few dudes, right? Like We've alluded to them in previous episodes, but there's not just like one guy where everybody's bidding. Like It's not just going to be just Allen Robinson that everyone's going to be throwing their money at. And for, God, the sake of, for the sake of your own Sandy Allen Robinson, please don't re-sign in Chicago. You hate them. That city is allergic to quarterbacks. You want to do something with your career. Don't re-sign because they're going to give you a whole bunch of money. Like Just for once, don't just take, it, take a pay cut. Completely. Yeah, go somewhere else. Go somewhere else, right? You played with fucking Blake Bortles, the Blake Tannock, and then you played with shithead Trubisky Mitch. over there. It's like and just, Foles. Foles was pretty bad too. Foles was terrible. Foles been terrible everywhere except Philadelphia. <sighs> All right, and then finally, as we've mentioned, we'll move on to left tackle. So the final thoughts here that I mentioned, why I kind of put this is um, in terms of like higher up the needs list. Uh, so Cornelius Griffin. Cornelius Griffin. I keep calling him Cornelius Griffin. He is not the defensive tackle from the Giants. Cornelius Lucas. Hey, Cornelius Griffin was the defensive tackle with the Redskins. From the Giants. But yes, and he was damn good. He was was good. Yeah, he was a stud. Lynchpin or a massive cog in the 2004 team, Gibbs first year, which I still maintain is the best defense that I have seen uh, since the turn of the century. 
this team. That 2004 team that went six and ten, totally. Specifically for the specifically for the Redskins. For the Redskins, yes, not not okay, entirely. Just, just they're putting not, that clear. They're not, they're, they're not the 2000 Ravens. No, um, can't hold a candle to them. But for the best best Redskins defense I've seen the last 20 years is that 2014. They were sick. That you know that group with. Um, God, who was the idiot that filled in for a middle linebacker? It was Antonio Pierce, right? Like Antonio, Antonio Pierce, Pierce before he went signed with, yeah, with the Giants. Before he signed with the Giants. Uh, LeVar was out that entire year, and we were great. I think it was like Warwick Holdman was our weak side linebacker, but you had Corny Griffin on that team, and you had – um, You had ST and Smoot. Smoot was on that team. Sean Springs and Smoot were the corners. I mean, they were so, so – Smoot, yeah, Smoot was all one draft. So yeah, Smoot was on that team. That was such a good team, such a good team. And then of course Sean Taylor. And then you yeah. had, and then you had the Reed Dowdy, Lurkin, ready, ready to be on that field at any wow. point. That was such a good team, though. Such a good team. Um, Marco Coleman was on that team, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think he was. I think was Phil Daniels on that team. I'm pretty sure Phil Daniels is on that team too. He had he had like a four game stretch one year where he had like 12 sacks, and I think he had 13 sacks in his entire career. Uh, that was he had four. He had four against Dallas in one game. Um, how did I get in the two? But I think that I think that was the 07 team because I think that's the Todd Collins year. But um, but anyway, Cornelius Lucas, not Cornelius Griffin. Cornelius Lucas was the left tackle. He was fine last year, um, and you know a lot of so a lot of people outside of Washington have been like, oh, Washington's definitely going to address the left tackle spot. Like everyone knows that. Well, I don't think that's actually the thinking inside of Washington because, in fact, if you go back, I think it's uh, Nikki Javala who works for the Post now, and she was citing something like earlier in the year, and she's like, the thinking right now is that they're going to let uh, Jaron Christian, Cornelius Lucas, and potentially Sadiq Charles be the training camp battle for the left tackle spot, and then the remaining two guys are backups. And we, you've alluded to the fact that you know if if Ron Rivera had his druthers and the team had their druthers, Sadiq Charles would actually win that job and make the other two guys the backups. So they don't view this as much as of a need. So thus I'm not viewing this as much of a need as again, people outside the team are viewing this and, you know, fans may be viewing it. And um, I mean, yeah. And, and on top of that, kind of like what I was talking about with, uh, with, with Logan Thomas, Lucas costs us 2.08 million against the cap next year, if I'm not mistaken, but he has every incentive to ball out too, because he's a free agent after this upcoming season. So why not, expect to get the best from him and again worst case scenario if he could stay out of the infirmary uh there's still Sadiq Charles and again he's a massive wild card he may never pan out to be anything but you still have that's still a card that we have potentially to play yeah uh before I, I meant to say this about Logan Thomas and what you just said uh made me remember so the last thing I'm gonna say on tight ends Logan Thomas was the single best free agent signing in all of the football last year that's that it's hard to disagree uh, with you yeah, by money, production, everything. Um, so Lucas, when people say he was fine, like I don't think people understand just how good he was. Yeah. Right. So I'm not saying I'm not. I'm saying, probably selling him short by saying fine. Yes. I'm not saying he was Trent Williams by any means. Right. We've been so spoiled. And it's literally the only thing we've been spoiled in in the last twenty years. I mean, you went from Chris Samuels, Samuels to Trent. So we've had that left side locked down forever, and. You know, last year, or yeah, I guess it's still considered last year, when Trent sat out and we had, you know, just a who played, uh, Penn was there. Penn wasn't very good. It was the first time we kind of got a glimpse of like, ooh, we need to make sure we have a good left tackle. And then we come into this year with Jerron Christian, um, who I just, I mean, he's a waste of space, uh, I think. I know some people think he's better than, or he should play more. I think he's a waste of space. He got hurt 
and week three or four. And then Lucas comes in. And I forget, I think it was the Dallas game when uh, we beat him at home. It was his first start. He didn't give up a single pressure, not just like not a sack. And he didn't give up a pressure. Uh, and he, I'm not going to say he was an all pro by any means or a pro bowler by any means, but like when you look around the NFL and I'll use the Eagles as an example and us under Gruden for so long, where we just had a revolving door of linemen, like he was worth every penny and more because not only did he play every game, but he was good. He was sound. Like our line is good. If we have a dominant left tackle, our line is one of the best in the game. That's where, like you want to start thinking about left tackle drafting like a stud at 19 could change, could change our team. Cause like all of a sudden you have stud left tackle, really good guard depth. Uh, you, we have one, I mean, Ruye is one of the top, we'll call it top 10 center in the league. Uh, Scherf is a first team all pro now. And Moses clearly has bought into what Rivera is doing. And he'll, and it doesn't matter if Moses has one leg, he's going to find a way to play. Right. My point is, like, Lucas is good. If we don't address it, we don't address it. To your point, we can have Christian versus Lucas and Charles kind of duking out for that spot. If we do address it with 19 and take uh, – I'm actually very intrigued by your uh, uh, by your boy, uh, Darisaw. What's his name? Christian Darisaw? Yeah, the VT guy. Don't think he lasts. Uh, um, well, regardless, if we I, – I am on board with taking a left tackle at 19 if he's there uh, because I think – if we do address it and make it and, and hit on it, all of a sudden our, our line, top five in the league. Yeah. So similarly with with cornerback, um, I think I think offensive tackle. Like if you look at again, because I was messing Lucas with mock drafts, was a great signing. Uh, Lucas was a tremendous signing. Uh, so many of our um, dumpster diving picks, there I call them that, turned out really well or at least multiple ones in key positions i.e lucas and, and logan thomas in particular right going back to what i was saying about offensive tackle uh three offensive tackles are going to go in the top 12 picks and i think it's it's ridiculous to say that like hit right now in um whatever month we're in february or january february is what is the 31st right now so yeah so point being early february it's ridiculous to say like what's going to happen but i can say pretty comfortably in the first 13 to 14 picks there's going to be three offensive tackles taken and that's going to be Sewell. that's going to be slater the guy from northwestern that's going to be darisov from virginia tech right like those guys are gone so we any washington fan hoping that one of those three guys falls please stop it's not going to happen so we're you now there do you think darisov will go that high i do and i maybe think four will go it's a very weird draft now free agency changes everything if one of those teams signs trent williams everything changes right um, but I, I do think that be just because it's going to be one of those we, things where, like there's we so, better not fucking sign Trim Williams. So we'll get there. Um, but it's going to be one of those things where like a certain amount of teams are or, like certain teams like like uh, the Chargers, right? Like more than likely their GM is like we need to get a guy who is protecting the blind side of G- Justin Herbert. Like outright called it, so you can pretty much guarantee that they're going to take it. Um, they're going to take one. Dallas could talk about the offensive tackle position. I don't think that's where they're going to go, but they could have a serious conversation about it. There's multiple other teams, right? Cincinnati, for the love of God, do something to protect Joe Burrow. Well, they'll they'll find a way to get They'll find a way to get Sewell. You could talk about uh, Miami, who at number three could potentially take one right there, right? So there's a bunch of teams. I think there's more teams looking for a tackle than there are tackles to get out of the top 15 picks. So I think all three are gone in the top half of the draft, which leaves us out. So I don't think we're going to take that pick, which is another reason why, although I have guys I'm kind of targeting at 19, already but i think if we trade away 19 we're not too bad off 
Um, every mock, every mock I've seen has us taking this Tony kid from Florida. Yeah, he I don't have that. He seems, he seems he's good. Skyrocketing. Yeah, played really well at the Pro Bowl, uh, uh, Pro Bowl Senior Bowl. Um, but uh, that's that's not who I have taken, and um, I haven't. I, I take a lot of stock in who's standing drafts because he's always so he's accurate. Always very accurate. And he has this. I mean, he does preface. I don't know if you, he wrote it today for the Athletic. Um, he prefaced today's with like, "This is going to change like five times." Absolutely. Uh, he was like, "This is way too early." But if the draft happened right this very instant, I I see the Redskins taking Tony. I don't see them taking a wide receiver right now, but that's me. And I don't know. I, I am not as clued in by any stretch as Ben Standig is. So that's not to take a dig in. You know, it's actually kind of interesting about this draft right now is you know how every year someone has all of a sudden character issues and i like all of a sudden john allen had bad knees due bad to back day. yeah whatever it was yeah uh, but there's always character reasons for for players to drop and sometimes they're true but sometimes they're not but oftentimes they're just like i don't like agents leaking shit you know whatever to get, get guys up the board they're starting to be a lot of chatter that um micah parsons is a bizarre dude. That's not chatter. That's, that's not, chatter. not chatter. That's real. That's not chatter. That's real. That's not chatter. Oh, dude, he, his draft stock's gonna tumble. What if he's there? So the hey, one I story, think, I think you gotta, I think you gotta run the card. In. I alluded to this. Um, I don't care. Last, chasing kids. Last year, he he that that whole lawsuit at Penn State. Uh, he's one of the ringleaders there. So I started to doing. A, so he's a terrible human being. He's kind of a shithead, right? And there's a run the, bu- the card. <laughs> there's a bunch of people who are like. He's a good, he's a freak athlete, like one of the best players in the country coming out of high school, like, you know, just five-star everything, like, but they're like, that kid's a powder keg if you hand him NFL money, right? And that's one of the things where I'm kind of like, I, I don't know if I want to get that. And I think if once our guys start doing their homework, I think he's going to get taken off the board or put down really, really low. Um, at that point, though, in the NFL, it's such a bottom-line business. If a talent like that's there at 19... I don't know. It's going to be a little bit of a a hypocrisy on Ron Rivera if you're going to draft a dude like that, because that guy's stuff is going to come out over the next couple of months. It's going to, it's just going to, I promise you it's going to, because like there's, there's, there's skeletons in that closet. I mean, he's an awesome player. Awesome, awesome, awesome player. But James Franklin is, James Franklin's not Joe Paterno on multiple levels, but in terms of like running a clean cut program. Yeah, I know. But running it, like one of the things outside of, all the stuff that we won't even talk about at Penn State, but like Paternal always said, like we're going to put good human beings by and large into like graduating from our program. Penn State alumni used to talk about that all the time. They're like, we're raising men as much as we're raising football players, right? And uh, yeah, James Franklin's uh-huh. not the guy. James Franklin doesn't give a shit about that. Did not give one. LeVar shit. Arrington, the Vince character of Michael. Paul. I know. LeVar Arrington's the exception, but Paternal hated LeVar anyway. So that's neither here nor there. That was one of those deals with the devil type of player. Um, yeah. Might have been the happiest moment of my Redskins fandom the day we drafted Lavar. Yes, I was through the over the moon for that one. Um, uh, of course, him and, Sam, him and Samuel's back to back. Well, you know, being young and immature and not fully understanding how the how the NFL world works. Of course, I wanted with two and three. I wanted Peter Warwick and Lavar Arrington because you know everyone thought Peter Warwick was the shit. I saw Peter Warwick tear Virginia Tech a new asshole in the Sugar Bowl. Right, well, he, was, he, he tore he tore everyone a new asshole in college. Right. So then then like, he got to Cincinnati in his career and never went anywhere. And they realized why did he run a four six five in the forty? Because he was just good in college, a good classic good in college player. 
Um, going back to offensive tackle, I also think the combination of what I alluded to earlier and the fact that the top three guys are not going to be there at 19. And then you're looking at slim pickings in offense and um, free agency. Cause as we've joked about like Trent Williams is still going to cost $20 million a year to some team. And it could be San Francisco. could be somebody else with a bunch of money, but he's going to cost that much. And uh, pretty it, much everything I've read is everyone has him as the second best free agent available behind Dak. Yeah. Yeah. Assuming so, Dak is a, goes in the free agency. So technically he's probably number one. So Trent Williams, I don't, it's going to cost 20 million a year. He might've burned the bridge with Rivera on the way out. And then a bunch of guys like, so you have Taylor Moton from, I think it's Moton, Moton, whatever from Carolina and Russell Okung from Carolina. I think they're going to bring at least one of them back. If not both of them, Daryl Williams, who was a Rivera Herney draft pick in Buffalo when he was in Carolina, Daryl Williams um, sounds like Buffalo is going to do everything they can to bring him back. Um, so there's just not a lot of options left in terms of free agency. So Tynaseki's a free agent. Is Tynaseki a free agent? I didn't even see that. I think, I think so. Yeah. Bring on back old Tynaseki. Bring him back. I can't. That, that that guy was an ultimate McLuhan find. He's a fucking mountain too. Yeah, he's huge. That's his yeah. actually one problem. He's too big. <laughs> well, I still think you can kind of give him a, give him a world offensive at, at guard, yeah. but Unres- he may- he's an unrestricted free agent. Man, I would kick the tires on that guy. So yeah, um, so I think that's so for from that purposes, I think they're just going to roll status quo, and that's why they're going to go with the guys they have in house. Yeah, I'd be cool if if we just drafted all linemen, like just build it up. I mean, obviously, I want to go swing, and and I'd be cool with the wide receiver in the first round. Even our history suggests that's a bad idea. Um, but like those middle rounds, those third round picks, those fourth round picks, like go go get some beef. We're talking just some fat boys who are ready to roll. Like Ishmael's, we we haven't talked about it at all because Maria was healthy all year. People love that pick, and now we have a good backup center guard. I was gonna say really just signed for all the monies too. So yeah, take take it take a flyer on something like that, and then just build the depth in and like you see what happens to these teams when they don't have depth at. Uh, on the line like we just I just it's one one position I think you can't have enough bodies you Look just have Eagles. to I mean among yeah, the problem exactly. with Carson Wentz but like they fucking fell apart because they had nobody to protect him which yeah. is one of the reasons he has the yips now yeah so you know maybe you take a tackle in the fourth or fifth round but I do think it's important that we go and get some extra beef just to have um, I mean we I think it was the second or third game of the year. We kept like 10 linemen on the active roster when Gruden always kept like eight. <laughs> so you can see the philo- difference in philosophy there all the way. Shout out to Jay Gruden for just a phenomenal quote about Dan Snyder. Coming in <laughs> off the yacht. Coming in yeah, off the yacht. Off the yacht. I wonder who he's talking about. Yeah, no kidding. Dwayne. Uh, but that, I think you can see the difference in philosophy and coaching. I think Rivera is scared of that. Um, and – I read somewhere that Herney is kind of old school and I mean, we know he's old school, but uh, he's big on building inside out. And one of the Herney reasons was he wanted to come Carolina. here. Yeah. One of the reasons why he was so intrigued here was obviously the Rivera connection, but on defense you have our insides as, as good or better than anybody in the league. And then offense, it's also kind of low key. It's, I'm not going to say it's a strength. Well, I guess for our offense, it is a strength, uh, uh, but it's steady. You know what I mean? Like, Scherf's good. Rudy is good. Moses is good. You could call the offensive line a quiet strength. You could absolutely yeah. do that. 
So we our two strengths of our I guess our team are those lines. And I think if you throw a couple more assets at them where you can really bolster the depth, all of a sudden you've like solidified it, and then you can just throw the bag at fucking Robinson, Galladay, whoever. You're using uh, those. Oh, you set me up for the segue perfectly to like you know, Bravera by and large, and the staff have assembled the the team like the core of the team in the trenches, and it really just comes down to the sexy players to that are the ones that we lack, frankly speaking, like the wide receivers, the tight ends, which we talked about a little bit. And of course the quarterback position, which we're of course going to be talking about in part two of this, of this podcast um, or the subsequent podcast pairing of this one to come. But um, yeah, we also need, we also need to take a running back in the draft. That's a low key. I think something. Wow. You went there. I was actually, that was the one t- position I was going to be like, no. And I love drafting running backs. Like I've always too been many, just, too many, another one. too many, too many people still think Bryce Love's going to come and play. Oh, I don't uh, think so. I think that train is still. I, I agree with you there, but I'm like, uh, fucking roll with that. We got, we got really, really lucky um, in Barber. They were yeah. healthy basically all year. Gibson oh, missed, what, game and a half? Yeah. Um, I'd be cool with, I mean, look, death taxes in one yard from paid Barber. You yeah. know you're going to get it. Amen, right? Uh, I would be cool with, ta- like, in the sixth round, taking some random guy from, like, fucking, I don't know, Florida Atlantic. That's we had, I mean, we had a butcher baker and candlestick maker in the three running backs we had previously, right? Gibson talked about the fact he's like, I'm going to come into better shape and I know what I got to do to make sure my body preserves for the course of the season and what I got to do to kind of do better in my second year. I, 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 I you know, my, my feelings on McKissick are well documented and uh, Peyton Barber, my document, my feelings are also well documented. But as you said, if I need 1.7 yards or 2.7 yards, I know who I'm giving the ball to. Every time we had something in one, second one, third and one, fourth and one, and Barber didn't get the ball, I was legitimately pissed off. Like when we ran that stupid, uh, like, wildcat sneak against the Eagles with Logan Thomas instead of giving it to Peyton Barber, I was living. <laughs> Don't get cute, just get the one. And you knew he was money in the bank for that, right? Yeah. Also, I don't think he was stopped behind the line one time. Like, at all. No. I will also park this um, since we're using it as a segue that there was a, the, the athletic did an article about Andy Reed and his proclivity for going for it on fourth down. And they said that the league wide trend of success on fourth and uh, fourth and one or less in between the twenties, anywhere in between the twenties was 73%. And yeah. that's why it was just, I lose my shit every single time when we would, you know, you really, you really do. So when they would punt it on fourth and one, I'm like, it's just, and the coward, the, the coward level or the coward index or whatever that there's a, there's that Twitter account for. And they would just, they'd put a couple of Rivera's decisions admittedly in like the 98th, 99th percentile. And I'm like, yep, I'm not going to criticize the coach in pretty much any other case, but I hated those, hated those beyond words. Um, at least we're not, at least we're not freaking the fart. So my buddy, just oh my God. Floor. Wow. We haven't so, talked about that. I thought that was a fireball offense, not going for it. On fourth. I, I, I would. If they canned him for that, right I would not have. I would not have been like, "Oh, that's an overreaction." I had a few beers more than I should have during the course of that game. I took my daughter to a friend's house to have a play date thing with their kids, which I'm um, still a little sore at my wife for scheduling that on Championship Sunday. Um, but uh, nonetheless, we had several beers too many to kind of make the afternoon go better. And even a few beers buzzed into that session. I'm just sitting here like screaming and avoiding profanity as much as possible. Like, what are you thinking with that decision? And the ironic is the guy I was watching with was a Bears fan rooting vehemently against the Packers. And he's like, this is great. I love what they're doing here. It was, you know? I, I, my, I was watching my wife and she turned to me. I was like, she was like, this seems dumb. And I was like, this is fucking exactly. dumb. Right. And then my brother texted our family thread and he was like, uh, uh, what? 
Oh, what the fuck? Oh, I know what he said. He was like, uh, hey, Pat, uh, is there some like really sabermetric nerd calling plays for the Packers right now? Like, Explain to me why this is not why they're not going for it. I was like, that was the right decision? I'm like, I cannot. Analytics analytics said it was 50-50. Was it? Analytics can't. Yeah, they're like, either way. But analytics doesn't take into account is the fact that you're giving the ball back to, to Tom, Tom Brady. Brady to Tom Brady. And you're not, you're not asking him to score. You're asking him to get a single first down. That's the, that was literally what I was shouting. And I was like, I'm sorry. You think the best course of action is to give the ball back to Tom Brady with two minutes left in the game. Just to get a first you down. You think that's the good idea? Yeah. Right. And you still have to score a touchdown. You're, you're fucking eight yard line. Just go for it. <laughs> I thought it was absolutely preposterous. It was, it was a total. I, I thought it was, I thought it was a legit fireball offense. I would have fired him. I do feel like that that is a cloud that's going to hang over that team. Like they, oh, they yeah. peaked again at 13 and three. They can't possibly do that again. 13, three back-to-back years, get to the cusp of the, of the conference, get a gut punch like that or shoot yourself, like literally kick yourself in the dick with that type of decision. And then expect that you're going to go back and do it dick again. Punch. And not only that, you just pissed off Aaron Rodgers royally, and they're going to piss him off even more when they don't take a skill position guy in the draft this year. And they take some another offensive lineman as they're apt to do, and uh, he's like, "Great, I'm throwing it to like you know Alan Lazard." Yeah. And, and so that's that's Marquez the underlying Scantling who can't catch. That's the underlying part to all this is with Rogers. Like obviously after the game, he was like, "I don't." Well, first off, when they asked him about the thing, he was like, "That's coach's decision," and you could just tell he wanted to fucking punch somebody in the face. Um, but that's two strikes for Lafleur, Lafleur, because they took love after going three and thirteen. And he, yeah, like, they, they, so he took a quarterback over Rodgers, who I think is the best pure passer the NFL's ever seen. I'm not saying he's a great quarterback of all time, but I think in terms of like pure passing ability, he's as good or better than anybody ever. Uh, dude can just, I mean, he throws the prettiest ball. Um, and so you, strike one, Rodgers obviously pissed. He always gives great interviews. He's like, yeah, I drank a lot of scotch that night. Uh, you know, he, he gives great interviews about it. Then they basically stormed through the NFL season. And Rodgers is the MVP, clear-cut MVP, I think. You could argue Mahomes is there with him, but, like, you're, you're splitting hairs at that point. Then you they steamroll whoever they played in the division round. Uh, and then they're eight yards away, and he's like, you know what? Eight, they're, they're down eight on the eight with 2.15 left. And they kick a field goal. But taking their, you took the taking ball, the ball out of the hands of the MVP. Took the ball out of arguably the best pure passer ever to give the ball back to the greatest ever. Just imagine if you weren't stupid enough and you took a wide receiver at whatever it was um, at that like pick when they took Jordan Love and, uh, and and you didn't outthink yourself. Like it was a preposterous pick at that time. Imagine you know, Rodgers with freaking Adams and another stud receiver. Going back to the 2000 or the whatever, the 2020 draft, right? It wasn't like, I think Justin Jefferson was gone. So like, so that pick doesn't look quite as hideous. But uh, so sure. they, they I wouldn't I I don't know the tweet off the top of my head, but they of the eight players they drafted last year, only one of them played in the playoffs. Oof. And AJ Dillon was not that not that was another stupid pick. Now for some reason, which if I read correctly, is the stupidest thing. I also another stupid decision, which they'll be open to ridicule for. Uh, and the thing was a pro football focus like thing that. that I was reading. They said that they're going to let Aaron Jones walk in free agency, and I'm like. You've got to be fucking kidding me. Like, I know running back's expendable position. Aaron Jones was great. Like, he's you see, great. You see that the Rams apparently went, went after Rodgers before turning I their sights to that. Stafford? God, could uh, you imagine if they were freaking I was going to say, 
McVay really Ooh. gives no fucks. Um, going back, he attacks success. I think that's his uh, motto. Going back uh, to the Jordan Love pick, right? And if you want to play the game of what wide receivers were there, imagine T. Higgins from Cincinnati or Michael Pittman from the Colts being taken, you know, late in that, uh, or Chase Claypool from the Steelers, for that matter, right? Imagine you put you gave that guy those guys to Rogers, and how different things could potentially be. I suppose to- probably still kicking the field goal. To Lazard or, or MVS who can't catch. Lazard, I think it was Lazard. He changed that whole game when he dropped the two-point conversion. I, I mean, Rodgers on the run. It sure was MVS. It could be Lazard. I couldn't really get that if quite a few it, it, was, it was one of the no-name – not no-name. It was one of the, like, lesser-known Packers receivers. And Rodgers on the run just threw a dart. And the dude dropped it. Totally changed the game. MBS had a couple of gut punch drops over the course of the season. I remember watching a lot of them and I was just like, that guy sucks. And you can see the disdain all over his face, but yeah. <sighs> I also, I love watching when receivers fuck up with Rogers. Cause it looks like he's about to kill him. <laughs> I was going to say his, um, <laughs> so his friend used to call it. He, he said, eat shit and die. Um, face is, is pretty yeah, epic. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. Um, he can I'll, play for the skins though. <laughs> I will leave it there. Um, cool. So first of all, thank you so much for everyone who's made it this far into the podcast. As I always said, be sure you make sure to subscribe to us on all the usual channels that I implore you to do so. been trying, as I mentioned several times, to put a bunch of shit on YouTube, some of the conversations we have, some of the other random stuff that I put together when I'm in the mood to do so. Um, but more importantly, stay tuned for part two, which we'll talk about. I'll go ahead and leave you with a wet appetite when we talk about uh, the linebacker spot the whole thing because the whole thing needs to be addressed uh wide receivers and of course a quarterback position which is going to be in part two of this um podcast whenever we get a chance to record it so until then we will talk to you all later but thank you for listening thank you for listening to the hail to the district podcast be sure to subscribe to us on itunes or wherever you download your podcast 